0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we continue the series, What Do Christians Really Believe? Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Today, we're going to talk about a king. Now, here in America, we don't have a king, yet we're still familiar with kings. For example, we know King Arthur the famous fifth-century warrior king, although a lot of what we know about him is less fact and more fiction. Then we have the king that ruled our preschool years, King Friday. How many of you know him from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? How many of you know him from Daniel Tiger? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? However, neither of those two kings can hold a candle to the most popular king in America, Burger King. He told us to have it your way, and we loved that. But today we're going to talk about a king who is unlike any other king. In fact, this king is at the center of the story of what we believe. Let me remind you that what we believe is a true story of a king and his kingdom community. The story starts with a God who is love. He's a community of oneness, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And this God who is love created a world that was good. He created people to join in his community of love. In the beginning, everything was perfect. God's kingdom was being lived on earth. Now, there's a biblical word for this. It's called shalom. But a villain entered the story. The villain is sin. Sin fractured the relationships between God and people. Sin fractured shalom. But God doesn't abandon his creation. He does not give up on his dream of a kingdom community. He sets out on a rescue mission by establishing a covenant, an unbreakable promise between himself and and the people of Israel. He would be their God and they would be his people. But over and over again, Israel falls into sin. However, God has a plan to restore his kingdom by overcoming the sin problem once and for all. And that is where the story goes next. King Jesus arrives on the scene. Now, keep in mind, Jesus' story begins long before that first Christmas in Bethlehem. That's what the apostle John is getting at when he starts his book about Jesus with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is the second person of the Trinity, the Son, and He has always existed, There was never a time when he wasn't. He's been involved in every moment of the story. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books of the Bible, all 1,189 chapters, all 31,173 verses not only point to Jesus, they're all about him. And John tells us what is perhaps the most shocking moment in the story of what we believe the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. One writer puts it this way, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Just try to get your mind around that for a second. The son, the second member of the Trinity, willingly emptying himself of the glory and power and honor that was rightfully his, to enter into our world as a human being. He became one of us. This wonder, God taking on flesh and blood, is known as the incarnation. It is God making himself visible to us, God making himself known to us, God coming to be with us. C.S. Lewis, one of the, the greatest minds of the 20th century, He wrote something about this when the Soviet Union first put a man into space back in the 60s. Nikita Khrushchev, leader of the Soviet Union at the time, gave a speech in which he said, we have been to the heavens and God was not there. Well, here's what C.S. Lewis wrote in response. If there were a God, you would not relate to him like someone on the first story of a building would relate to someone on the second story that if you just went upstairs, you would find them. If there is a God, you would relate to him in the way Hamlet would relate to Shakespeare. Hamlet will not find Shakespeare by going backstage or looking up in the rafters. The only way Hamlet discovers anything about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes himself into the play. God has not just written About himself in a book. In Jesus, he has written himself into the story. He has made himself known. If you want to know who the true God is, look long and hard at Jesus. In the incarnation, King Jesus came to be with us. And as he walked among us, he proclaimed good news for all to hear. "'The time has come,' he said. "'The kingdom of God has come near. "'Repent and believe the good news.'" Jesus' primary announcement centered on the coming of the kingdom of God. All of his teachings point to this. This is the restoration of the world to the way God dreamed it would be. What had been fractured by sin all the way back in the Garden of Eden was about to be made right. Right. And notice, this proclamation calls for a response. What does Jesus call people to do? Repent and believe the good news. I don't know what you think about when you hear that word repent. Many times people think it means to feel bad enough about your sins so that you'll stop doing them. Now, of course, Jesus wants us to stop sinning. But when he calls us to repent, he means so much more than that. Think of it this way. Let's say you're traveling along on the interstate en route to an amazing vacation destination when suddenly you realize you are driving in the wrong direction. What do you do? You immediately start looking for an exit, an off-ramp, don't you? I mean, you wanna turn around and, and head in the right direction. If you don't, you're gonna just get more and more off track and miss something awesome repentance is about realizing you are going the wrong way. It's about finding the off-ramp, turning around, and starting off in the right way to a better destination. When Jesus said to his first century audience, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. He was calling them away from the social, religious, and political ideologies that were leading to pain, division, violence, and war. He was calling them to to turn around and come back to a true allegiance to God, to live as his people in the ways of his kingdom. His message was good news, Because as Tom Wright says, he was announcing that that this is the time for the great moment of freedom, of God's rescue. Jesus was announcing that something was about to change in the world. The kingdom of God was was breaking through to earth. But how is this going to happen? Well, it wasn't going to happen through power or might. It wasn't going to happen through Political persuasion. How was the kingdom going to break into the world? The king was going to die. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul offers what is the clearest description we find in Scripture of what we call the gospel. He writes For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus did away with the problem of sin. Now, there are different ways people try to explain how Jesus' death on the cross rescued us from our sins. The theological word for this is called atonement. One way to explain the atonement is that, that, that Jesus set us free from the power of sin and death by, by defeating the evil powers and principalities that held us captive. Another way says we deserved punishment for our sins, but Jesus took that punishment upon himself. Another way to explain the atonement is that because of sin, we owe a debt that we can't pay, but on the cross, Jesus paid that debt. One of my favorite depictions of the atonement comes from Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. Remember 10th grade English Lit? Thank God for cliff notes, right? But it's really a a masterfully told story. The two main characters are Charles Darnay and Sydney Carton, and they look exactly alike. They also happen to love the same woman, a woman named Lucy. Well, Lucy ends up choosing Charles and they marry and they have a child. Now the setting for the, the whole story is the French Revolution. And Charles is rounded up and he's imprisoned in the Bastille where he faces execution. So Sidney Carton and a few companions, they, they sneak into the prison and Sydney tells Charles, hey, we look so much alike. We can just switch clothes and they will mistake me for you. And then you can be free to live the rest of your life with the woman and child that you love. Well, Charles says that he would never allow Sidney to do such a thing. So Sidney does what any good friend would do. He bonks Charles on the head and knocks him out. Charles is whisked out of the prison and Sidney takes his place on death row. The atonement is difficult to explain because it has so many Dimensions, but know this what Jesus did by laying down his life, he did for you. At the heart of the gospel is this mind boggling twist that Jesus willingly gave up his life so that our sin could no longer stand in the way of us being restored to a relationship with God. The story of Jesus tells us that God is for us. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves so that we could be restored to his community. And he rose from the dead for us, opening up the path for a whole new way of life, an eternal way of life in his kingdom. And that's not the end of Jesus' story. In the book of Philippians, we find a hymn. What Bible scholars tell us was a worship song that the first Christ followers sang about the story of Jesus. And after singing about the the mystery of the incarnation and the beauty of the atonement the hymn concludes with these lyrics Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. New Testament professor Scott McKnight writes, The gospel is the power-releasing story of how Jesus became king. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God and assumed his rightful place as king— Now, in a few weeks, we're gonna talk about how we live in the now and not yet time of the kingdom. The kingdom is here, it's a reality. But one look at the brokenness in our world tells us that the kingdom has not yet been fully restored. But our king has promised that one day he will return. In Matthew 19, Jesus spoke of his return saying, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. Do you see those words there? The renewal of all things? Jesus' mission is to renew the earth, no more natural disasters, to renew economic systems, no more exploitation by the wealthy and powerful, to renew political systems, no more war, to renew social systems, no more hatred among races and ethnicities, to renew the human heart, no more sin, no more pain. Best-selling author Tim Keller puts it this way, when Jesus spoke these words, it was a radically new concept. Jesus insisted that his return will be with such power that the very material world and universe will be purged of all decay and brokenness. All will be healed. I think for a lot of my journey as a Christ follower, I missed this aspect of Jesus' story. It's like I thought Jesus' story was just about me and my salvation. And while I'm grateful for my salvation, I now realize that the story of King Jesus and his kingdom community, it is so much bigger than that. Jesus came to set the stage for the kingdom of God to come to earth and he will come again to fully realize that dream, to restore all things to the way they were originally intended to be. The implications of this are huge. Tim Keller goes on to say, Christians then are the true revolutionaries who work for justice and truth and we labor in expectation of a perfect world in which he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Christ followers are God's kingdom community, a community that partners with him for the sake of others. Every time we feed the hungry, we partner with Jesus for what's ahead— Every time we reconcile people and people groups, we partner with Jesus for what's ahead. Every time we connect the lonely to community, we partner with Jesus for what's ahead. As Christ followers, We are to be the kingdom community, joining Jesus in his way of love and sacrifice and suffering to help usher in his dream for this world. Make no mistake about it. At some point, Jesus will come again and he will finish the work that he began. And there is one more important truth about the story of Jesus that we must talk about. And here is where the good news becomes even more incredible. This one who is king, this one who was present at creation, this one who defeated death, this one who sits on the highest throne, this Jesus wants to be your friend. When he walked on this earth, he extended a simple invitation to a ragtag group of men and women. Come, follow me, Jesus said. It was an invitation to connection, an invitation to intimacy, an invitation to to partnership. He leveraged all of his power towards what he has always wanted, a relationship with a kingdom community. And here's the heart of what I hope we'll understand today. He extends that same invitation to us. To you, Finding your way back to God, it's about declaring your allegiance to Jesus as King, and following Him in the ways of His kingdom as part of His kingdom community. Being a Christian, it's about more than just a one-time decision. It's about discipleship, what we here at Community often call apprenticeship to Jesus. It's about following our King in the ways of His kingdom. And being a Christian is about more than just a personal decision. It's about taking your place in His kingdom community. It's about connection and intimacy and partnership with Jesus and with one another. And yet, following Jesus does involve a decision. Every one of us must decide how we will respond to His invitation. And so I want to boldly and unequivocally challenge you today to follow King Jesus. His love is greater than any other love. His way is better than any other way. He is worthy of our full allegiance. Will you follow him? This moment right now is like that moment on the interstate when you realize you've been traveling in the wrong direction This can be the moment where you find the exit ramp, turn around and start following King Jesus towards a better destination. Maybe you've spent your whole life driving the wrong way. We live in a culture that tells us that that life can be found in some form of the American dream. We chase it and for a time it can feel like it's working but ultimately it will leave us wanting because we were made for so much more. Or maybe you've made the decision to follow Jesus, but somewhere along the way, you took a wrong turn. You didn't mean to, uh, but you got distracted. I've been there. It's been so easy over the past couple years for us to get sucked into the culture wars and the partisan politics that are raging all around us and lose sight of King Jesus and what truly matters in his kingdom. Wherever you find yourself right now, may we all hear Jesus saying, come, follow me. From the first century on, the kingdom community has had a practice meant to symbolize and celebrate this decision to follow King Jesus. It's called baptism. Baptism is meant to be an important marker in the life of a Christ follower. You see, through baptism, we publicly declare our allegiance to Jesus as king. We choose to follow him. When we go under the water, we identify with Jesus in his death and burial. But when we come up out of the water, we identify with his resurrection as we start a new life with him in his kingdom community. We have people across all of communities locations here in the Chicago area who are choosing to take this step today. And if you've never been baptized, I wanna offer you the opportunity to pursue getting baptized too. If you go to communitychristian.info, you will find more information on baptism. You can join us for our next online baptism class or contact us to schedule a time for you to be baptized. If you aren't here in the Chicago area, don't let that stop you from making this decision. We've helped people find a location locally to be baptized. We've even led baptisms over Zoom. If you've never been baptized, I wanna challenge you to take this step today. Can you hear Jesus saying, come, follow me. The story of Jesus is good news. May our lives declare that Jesus is king. May we follow him as his kingdom community.